0: Good afternoon. This is Midday Magazine for Friday, September 30th. It's the last day of September. I'm Julie Hersey with these stories in Alaska news. Members of the small community of Whale Pass on northern Prince of Wales Island are fighting against the state's plan to clear-cut nearly 300 acres of old-growth timber, including some within city limits. They're concerned the clear-cuts could hurt the town's tourism industry and make landslides more likely. And as Reagan Miller reports, time is running out to stop the timber sale.
1: I didn't work 20 years out of my life to have everything I built destroyed. I find it amazing that you put the economic future of the town, and
2: you know, at risk for 392 acres of crappy timber.
3: That's some of the backlash that staff from the Alaska Division of Forestry received at a recent informational meeting in Whale Pass. 20 of Whale Pass's 100-some residents spoke at the September 26th meeting, with all but two condemning the division's plan to sell almost 300 acres of old-growth timber. The sales boundaries push up against homes and would leave the surrounding hillside clear-cut and barren. Jimmy Greeley lives on that hillside.
1: We're all basically, we're against it.
3: He looks out his kitchen window and sees orange ribbons marking the edge of the parcel slated to be clear-cut, just 100 feet from his property line. He thinks it's too close.
1: The aspect that it's in the town literally in the whale pass boundaries. It's, uh, it's not in the state forest land, but it's still in, within the whale pass boundaries.
3: Greeley says residents worry about what a bare hillside means for their safety.
1: And uh, that concerns us with change of the water water flow coming down the hill, um, land, the potential landslide, um, just uh, the wind coming from the north. The, the trees that are there now have a kind give us adequate wind blockage.
3: Others who attended the meeting worried about impacts to traffic flow on Whale Pass's main roads or damaging fish habitat. Some took issue with the idea of noise pollution so close to their backyards. There's also murmurs of concern about what could happen to Whale Pass's visitor industry without the scenic attraction of the trees. Greely says that Whale Pass attracts visitors with a do-it-yourself attitude, drawn to staying in a cabin and taking themselves fishing.
1: Basically, it would cut the whole clear, uh, clear-cut the hillside and then to make Whale Pass not look very very green anymore.
3: Greeley is a member of the homeowners group Friends of Whale Pass. He helped draft a resolution passed by the Whale Pass City Council officially asking the state forestry officials to push the boundaries of the sale back by about 400 feet. Greeley says the resolution asks the state to take a second look at potential environmental impacts. The Division of Forestry's best interest findings says there shouldn't be substantial harm caused by the sale
1: like just to see them put a little bit more due diligence into this, so just kind of pushing it through.
3: Whale Pass's city clerk says he sent a copy of the resolution to the state's Department of Natural Resources. He also says he's been in touch with representatives from Governor Mike Dunleavy's office. An environmental policy analyst from the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council was one of the people who spoke out against the sale. Katie Rooks says she's not even sure why the state wants this particular timber. She says the trees in the area are known to have a lot of imperfections.
0: They've overlooked the fact that the economic damage to an entire community will uh, reach far higher numbers than any potential benefit of this sale.
3: She told state forestry officials that they're going about the sale wrong, taking too much at once and too close to homes.
0: They're going to kill a town.
3: State authorities downplay the risk of landslides following the clear cut. State forestry officials say bedrock in areas above Whale Pass is relatively close to the surface, and that makes landslides unlikely. And the state's best interest finding says that helicopter logging, which could preserve some of the scenic views above Whale Pass, would be expensive and impractical. Viking Lumber, southeast Alaska's last remaining mid-sized sawmill, is expected to bid on the sale. The company and the Alaska Forest Association submitted comments supporting the Whale Pass sale this spring. They say it'll be good for the island's economy southeast alaska area forester greg staunton says the value comes from the mix of wood red cedar yellow cedar western hemlock and Sitka spruce are all part of the deal
1: um it is merchantable volume and it from our analysis is would be economical to harvest in our present climate and part of that has to do the species mix that is on the site so um the defect in the stand um, is notable, but it's not abnormal for a no growth stand.
3: Stun says his department is aware of the strong opposition to the sale and welcomes more public input. He says there's no bad blood between the State Division of Forestry and Whale Pass residents.
1: You know, if we if people want to talk to us, we're available, and we make an effort to do so.
3: The division is taking public comments on the plan through mid-October. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller.
0: And comments can also be emailed to Greg Staunton at alaska.gov or mailed to the Division of Forestry until October 17th. That email address is listed with this story at kfsk.org. Today is a day of remembrance for Indian boarding schools in the U.S. and Canada, also known as Orange Shirt Day. The day of recognition was created by a boarding school survivor in British Columbia who had her favorite orange shirt taken away on the first day of school. There were dozens of residential schools across Alaska. Generations of Alaska Native children were also taken from their homelands to attend boarding schools in other parts of the country. There are a number of events happening around the state to bring attention to the damage these schools did to Indigenous children and to offer a way to honor victims and begin healing. Ati Nisaya works at AWARE, Juno's domestic violence and survivor support organization. Many people live here and um, don't know the, the history of cultural genocide that's happened here on this land, um, as well as um, the ways in which cultural genocide and racism continue to impact families today. In Anchorage and Juneau, people will wear orange shirts and gather during the commute times to wave at drivers and hold signs. She says it's a history that many Alaskans are completely unaware of. Understanding what's happened here and understanding that history allows for us to, to strive to tend well to the landscape that we live in and to each other in a way that encourages us to support things like language revitalization. In the evening, there will be a formal apology prepared by the Alaska Quakers at the Saik Gastineau School in Juneau, the site of the former Douglas Island Friends Mission School. In May of this year, Interior Secretary Deb Holland released the first report from an investigation into the problematic legacy of federal Indian boarding schools. The government of Canada released a similar report in 2015 after several years of investigation by its Truth and Reconciliation Commission. President Biden has made more disaster aid available to Alaska in response to western Alaska storm damage this month. The president revised the federal disaster declaration for Alaska on Thursday, increasing the federal payment to 100 percent of the total eligible costs for the first 30 days. The decision means the state will not have to pay any costs associated with initial assistance to residents and communities who suffered losses from the remnants of Typhoon Murbach. The total cost of the disaster has not been tallied yet. The widespread damage includes flooded streets in downtown Nome, lost subsistence food and fishing boats in Chivak, and the destruction of Shaktulik's Berm against the Sea. President Biden's action comes two days after the Alaska congressional delegation and governor requested the change. And on Thursday, they issued a joint statement thanking President Biden for his swift action. Earlier this month, the Biden administration announced $1.5 billion in funding nationwide to address the opioid epidemic. 15 tribal organizations in Alaska got a total of $9 million, and the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services will be getting $4 million. The state's plan for using the money includes providing more of the overdose-reversing drug naloxone. There are also plans for educating youth about substance abuse, including trauma-informed programs specifically for Alaska Native youth. The The project is expected to serve a total of 300 clients and more than 2,000 providers over the course of two years. KFSK has an open airwaves policy. This station encourages the public to use KFSK for the expression of personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. These opinions are available on our website, kfsk.org, following the scheduled radio broadcast. The following was submitted for broadcast by Donna Marsh. Candidate for Petersburg Borough Assembly.
4: Hi, my name is Donna Marsh and I'm running for Borough Assembly. We live in a beautiful and wonderful community among friends and family, with people, even strangers, who willingly volunteer to assist in times of hardship or even tragedy. We are fishermen, teachers, entrepreneurs, government employees, and more. We all have friends and acquaintances who would give you the shirts off their backs in times of need. But the recent COVID mess and borough overreach have attacked that willingness, driving wedges between families, employees, and community members. It's time to reverse that trend and undo those emergency ordinances that have been codified into borough code that extend too far into personal choice and responsibility and violate moral principle. Too much government leads to too much control, taking away personal responsibility, initiative, and accountability. Fiscal prudence is a critical element of success for any organization, be it large or small. A new hospital to the tune of $88 million or more, dollars, considering inflation, supply chain issues, and even Hurricane Ian, does not make fiscal or economic sense. Infrastructure is important, but you can infrastructure yourself to financial ruin if you can't afford it in the first place and can't afford to maintain it once it's built. Its revenue-generating capacity will never keep up with the cost of its maintenance. Relying on the federal government, i.e. the taxpayer, or in more inflation, is like relying on the tooth fairy to keep it up and running. Let's put the matter to the voters, think outside the box, and reel in too lofty and unrealistic a goal. I hope to add to the many good things that make Petersburg a great place to live and work. Thank you for your vote on October 4th. That was Donna Marsh, candidate for Petersburg Borough Assembly. The
0: following was submitted for broadcast by Jeff Bucci, candidate for Petersburg Borough Mayor.
2: Hi, my name is Jeff Mucci. I'm running to be the next Borough Mayor, and I would appreciate your vote on October 4th. We face exciting times in the next few years, and I'd like to share with you a brief reminder of some of the ideas that I would like to work on as your next Mayor. We need to do what we can to help make more entry-level homes a reality. We need to look at how we can make potential new subdivisions affordable so we can address some of the solutions that the Housing Task Force will come up with We need to work with our school board and school administrators to better understand the school's needs. We need to do what we can to help all child care providers meet the needs of the communities. We need to be more supportive of the community members who volunteer countless hours keeping the community safe with their dedication to the fire department, emergency medical services, and search and rescue organization. We need to examine our emergency preparedness for the entire community and make sure we are doing all we can to coordinate the entire community's emergency preparedness. We need to hold the line on any future rate increases. We also need to do more to partner with other organizations in town, like Petersburg Indian Association and the Forest Service, on projects that are beneficial to the community. The last few years have been challenging for the community, and I'm committed to helping the community repair damaged friendships, and relationships while moving forward in a positive direction. As mayor, I will listen intently, be kind, be considerate, and above all, make decisions based on the overall well-being of the community. I can be reached at 907-518-9007 if you have any questions, comments, or any ideas on how to make borough government more effective. Thank you for listening. I'm Jeff Mucci candidate for borough mayor. Go Vikings.
0: That was Jeff Mucci, candidate for Petersburg borough mayor. KFSK has an open airwaves policy and encourages the on-air public expression of personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. And you can hear these opinions on the website, kfsk.org, following our scheduled radio broadcast. For more information, call Tom Abbott at 907-772-3808. And KFSK will not be airing commentaries related to an election on Election Day. And this year's borough election takes place Tuesday, October 4th.